Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Banfield. It's Tuesday. Uh, you almost caught me in the middle of a shower. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it isn't, because if you had done all of the reading that I have been doing over six days about Jeffrey Epstein, you'd need a shower. So, uh, you're welcome. I did it for you. And tonight, I'm actually going to give you some oh, new bombshell stuff and s s something else. A private discussion that I had with uh, his brother, with Jeffrey Epstein's brother. He told me something about their family that originally he'd said that I had to keep under wraps, and then today he agreed I did not. So I'm going to tell you that tonight. Let me start, though, by telling you a little bit more about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. If you thought you knew everything about Gypsy Rose Blanchard since her release from prison, not even two weeks ago, have I got news for you? Uh, I got a letter now here that she's been releasing, like, loads more stuff because she's now got an ebook, and she's working towards a memoir. And the snippets of stuff are coming out in the ebook. Let me just read this little piece. This is a letter that she wrote to her mom in prison. Now, her mom was dead, right? But she wrote it to her dead mother, almost as like to pay tribute to not only what she had done, but the fact that she was taking responsibility for it. That's pretty big, right? I know a lot of inmates in my day. They don't always do that. They find God, but they don't always like take account of their actions and then take responsibility. But listen. Um, part of it reads here, with now having the answers I sought to find, I am able to finally let go of the resentment that I held against you and forgive you. And moreover, I want to let you know that I am so sorry for having a part in your death. Murder was never the answer or the solution. Really big stuff, right? If you think about how damaged she was as a, an abused child her whole life going into prison, but she found life in prison, like she found a real life. Uh, we're going to give you some of her drawings of her prison homework. We're going to show you some of her love letters, some self-portraits, all that's coming up. And then she's going to also talk about her time in solitary, why she went into solitary. So about the Epstein thing, though, I told you um, about the, the family anecdote. I'm going to bring that to you as well. Um, more names, more like shocking dirt, as if there it was possible to have more shocking dirt. It, it is. Um, and then uh, something about when he was first arrested, like the first time, almost 20 years ago, 06. You're going to hear a little nugget about that too. And I don't know if you saw this today, but when I first saw it, I thought it was um, like someone was playing around and making a joke video of a fake UFO, right? I just thought, oh, that's cute. Somebody's been playing with their, with their graphics that, you know, they got like, Jetpack Man or something. And then as it turns out, no, 
That is not Jetpack Man. That is jellyfish. And the only reason it's called jellyfish is because the journalist who is unearthing this, claiming that this is government video of a UAP or UFO, um, said that there's something so unique about this. Do you see how it's changing color from white? Then it goes dark again. It sort of goes from like, it looks like translucent white, and then it, it looks dark, and then light again, and then dark. The journalist who has released this and claims that this is actual video um, over an army base, an American army base, says that this is like a, a, a morphing, a morphing object. Its heat sensing is shifting from hot to cold, and that's why the heat thermal imaging is able to see it in dark at times, and then it morphs to light. I've got an expert who's going to go over all of this, and we're going to tell you a lot more about what else that thing did. You think this is amazing? Wait till you hear what happened when it hit the water, because that's where I kind of said, that's got to go on the show. I want to start with Gypsy Rose Blanchard. That's a name that's been on pretty much all of our minds since her release, almost, well, not even two weeks ago, right? She says that that Missouri prison, that sentence that she got of 10 years, she served seven and a half, that basically saved her life. That seven and a half years behind bars for conspiring with her boyfriend at the time to murder her mother, Dee Dee, that saved her life. Uh, by the way, that's the same mother who do, who done basically everything in her power to convince anybody who would listen, and Gypsy herself, that little Gypsy Rose was so sick she had to be carried to the hammock, so sick she had to get out of that wheelchair that she had to be in for 14 years, when in fact she didn't need a feeding tube, she didn't have cancer, none of it. She was fine. In 2015, Gypsy Rose's boyfriend stabbed that mother 17 times. They planned it together, and the mugshot ensued. And I'm going to have some news about that boyfriend in just a hot minute. But as for Gypsy Rose, the media whirlwind continues. Just today, the followers have amassed, like, in increasingly, she's now at more than 17.5 million on Instagram and TikTok. But despite all of this attention, the news coverage and the documentaries and even the Hollywood drama called The Act, Gypsy says that she's never been able to tell her own story until now. And here's what she just told Hulu about her plans for the next 10 years. For the next 10 years of my life, I really hope to accomplish, um, you know, personal-wise, uh, a family with my husband, um, and also just, you know, really diving deep into my advocacy work and, and doing some good for the world. Um, I want to bring a voice to the voiceless. That's why I do this. That's why I share my story, because it's really important to bring a, a, an awareness to, um, you know, mental health issues and Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Um, so that's why I continue to share my story. Yeah, she's super articulate. And then look, just today, an ebook released. And it's actually titled Released, uh, Released Conversations on the Eve of Freedom, which Gypsy Rose is pitching as a sort of appetizer to the memoir that she says will come out later this year. And it starts with the letter that she wrote several years ago to her dead mother. And in it, I'm just going to read along here. Mother, I'm now 28 years old and in prison for my part in your murder. And although I can never justify my crime, nor can any letter or apology give back the life that was taken, I'm writing this as if you were physically in front of me to express all that I have held in for the whole of my life. I am writing this letter having had nearly five years to feel the emotions felt when expressing the words written. Every day since your death, I have had nothing but time to reflect on the choices 
that have led me to where I am today. Moreover, of how your own actions formed the circumstances around mine. The woman writing this letter to you is far different than the girl who was once broken and desperate to live what would later, I would later come to understand as just an average life for a young woman. And Gypsy goes on to say that she does intend to turn her pain into perseverance. You, mentioned, you saw her mention the advocacy work, wants to advocate for others who were abused at the hands of their parents. And she goes on to write this, I can never undo the hurt that was caused by my actions, but I hope by doing this, I am remembering you well and making a positive difference with your memory. I love you, mom. Wow. Think about that from a little girl who was basically abused every day of her life by that mom, but really the only mom she ever had or knew. Gypsy is also sharing some never-before-seen drawings and photos and her phone transcripts as well. Take a look at this. She opens up about experimenting with religion and sexual orientation, all while locked up for second-degree murder. Joining me now is News Nation's national correspondent, Alex Capriello. He's got all the latest details. So the most surprising thing to you in the book, Alex? Yeah, I actually flew through this book. I got an advanced copy earlier today, and I read it in about two hours. It was fascinating to me. Most surprising, I would say, and it's something that I've seen over the past few weeks since she's been released, is just how eloquent she is. She's a very thoughtful young woman, uh, and it really is surprising to me, given the fact that she really grew up with very little formal education. She talks about the fact that she was really held back to an elementary grade education, only really knowing addition and subtraction. But here we see it all pouring out in this uh, memoir, not her official memoir. She says that's going to come out next year. But just this really early copy of her thoughts. And really, she is quite thoughtful, uh, very eloquent with her words. And she remembers all the past trauma and abuse, and she shares it in full detail. So, you know, last week, we actually broke the, the news here on this program that Gypsy says she was abused by her grandfather. That would be her mother's father. But now we're learning in this book that the, the baths that she said she was taking with her grandfather, that her grandfather took with her, um, that right. those also happened with her mother? Yeah, exactly. This is one of the more harsh details that you have to read, but obviously this is someone's story and she wants to share it all. It wasn't just her mother, but also her grandfather. And one time, all three of them in the bath, it wasn't until she actually went to prison that she realized that it's not a very normal thing for adult women to actually do with each other. And so uh, it's something that she's coming to grips with, the reality of her past and what's actually normal for an everyday person. Uh, but then on top of that, really excruciating details about uh, getting clean in the bath with her mother. One detail I'll share with you is that her mother actually shaved her private parts down there. It was all about, in her mother's eyes, getting clean. She saw her daughter as a dirty girl, and so shaving her was a way to get her clean. And that's really a theme that you see throughout this entire book. How does one get clean, not just in the sense of literally bathing, but also the dirtiness that she feels uh, post-conviction, knowing full well mm -hmm. that she was responsible for killing her mother, and that still weighs on her, and that's what makes her feel dirty. Well, I'm going to just go one step further, and I'm guessing since her mother was desperate to convince everybody that she was so much younger than she was. Maybe that was the right. ulterior motive to take the razor to her little girl. That's just so disturbing. There's some, some mention about Dee Dee practicing witchcraft. What, what, is, um, what does Gypsy Rose say about that? Yeah, this is very interesting because Gypsy says, even to this day, she, 
a part of her still believes her mother is a witch because this was something that was so deeply ingrained into her when she was a child that her mother possessed these supernatural powers because she was constantly threatening her and saying that, you know, I am going to conjure a spell to make sure that you behave, behave because you've been such a bad girl. And she says, hey, look, moms and dads, I'm not condoning it, but if your child is out of line, that's a very powerful way to make sure that they do get in line uh, because she said that she was absolutely shocked and you know, completely still at all times just out of fear that her mother might produce some sort of spell that actually harms her even further than what she was already feeling in the time. You know, we know that she was bound in a wheelchair and her mother's saying that I can make it even worse for you. Uh, and so to this day, she still believes a portion of that, that her mom has those powers. But there was several anecdotes in there uh, about her mom going out and shopping, get a cow's tongue so that she can brew it into a potion. Uh, really some dark and twisted things that her mother was doing to manipulate her. Yeah, dark and twisted. Uh, she, was, she says she was tied to the bed. Um, I think multiple times, but in one particular instance, it was because she had just dared to meet a man on Facebook. Yeah, this was around the time that she was actually venturing with a laptop that she was given by some charitable organization. And so she was being very secretive and she was creating social media accounts. And she actually met a guy in her 30s at this time, uh, probably about 10 to 15 years uh, older than Gypsy. Uh, and that sort of brewed into some sort of a relationship. And finally, when it all came out, obviously, mom was not very pleased about that. And that's what you're alluding to. She actually beat her with a dog's leash, and then after that, tied her with that dog's leash to the bed for two full weeks, Ashley. Something else I did not know, she went into prison with only a first grade education. I, just so disturbing to hear that that's how sheltered this, this poor girl was, but that she managed to get her GED while behind bars and actually developed a best friend. What do we know about the best friend? Yeah, actually, there were several inmates that she tried to have friendships with. She said this whole concept of actually having friends was a very difficult thing for her because she just didn't really have any growing up. And so all of a sudden, she's now seeing prison as sort of like a school where you actually can go around and try to make friends. And some were successes, other were failures. For example, one inmate, uh, really, she confided to, uh, sharing a lot about her history and some of her secrets. That inmate just turned right around, spilled the beans, and told the, uh, the warden about all those secrets in a way to try to get a plea deal. So that was a friendship gone wrong. Uh, one that she still believes is one of her closest friends to this day is also a woman uh, at that same correctional facility that was convicted of a very similar crime. She and her boyfriend also killed uh, their mother. And so that was something that they really bonded about and able to share that past trauma and abuse and find healing together. All right. Well, I'm going to figure out if that um, inmate is ever going to get out because, you know, Gypsy got out at seven and a half years, but I wonder if that best friend is ever uh, getting out. I have so many more questions for you, Alex. I'm going to ask if you can do this again tomorrow night because there's another two pages worth of material I want to get to. Thank you for this. I know yeah, that was a no lot kidding. of fast reading. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay, I want to bring in Dr. John Fabian now. He is a forensic psychologist and a neuropsychologist who's worked with Gypsy Rose as she prepared for life after prison. His new book, Forensic Neuroscience and Violence, will be out later this month. Uh, Doctor, it's so great of you to be here tonight. Thank you for this. I'm fascinated to talk to you. First question is an easy one. What was it like working with Gypsy Rose? Thanks for having me. Uh, It was quite interesting. 
you know, factitious disorder imposed on another Munchausen syndrome is, is really rare. Uh, one in maybe 200,000 children have this, you know, experience and it's certainly traumatic. So it, it was quite interesting to see this type of case. Uh, Gypsy herself um, w- was more normal than you'd expect. Uh, and she's a survivor, certainly. Were you surprised at all that she uh, admitted to, well, admitted to and did the act of using opioids uh, before and during prison to, to cope with what she was going through? With the level of trauma she had, no. You know, I, if, if I recall correctly, her mother put a peg tube into her, her stomach to feed her, and there was sometimes opiates that she would feed her in order to get through some of these medical appointments, so Gypsy would be more of like a zombie. Um, she had used the drugs with Nick as well and abused them. So it's a coping mechanism, certainly self-medication, because she has psychiatric conditions. So... The level of media um, fascination and coverage and also the social media frenzy, it was a surprise to me. Look, I was really interested in the case, but it was alarming, the rapid development of 17 and a half million followers in six days. Did she or you anticipate this? And do you think she's prepared for what all that entails? I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not sure if she's prepared to, you know, what a, what a job would entail, what normal life would entail. You know, she's really, again, been encapsulated in this trauma bubble for her life. And then, as she said, she's felt free when she was released you know, or placed in prison, actually, from her mother's uh, dungeon, so to speak. So, you know, I, I think that she was probably not not anticipating all of this uh media blowout, but, you know, it, it's somewhat welcoming and there's a lot of folks that support her uh, in, in her struggles and when she was released from prison, which is a good thing. So she has said that she is looking forward in the next 10 years um, to becoming, um, you know, a leading advocate for those who have gone through similar experiences with child abuse and parental abuse, etc. She has so much still to, to learn. I, literally, her first two decades of life, uh, she didn't get to live. And then the third, you know, well, she's only 32 now. But, um, you know, the, she, she has only had eight years of living, and that's been behind bars. Is she going to be okay to take on that kind of a role? Is she biting off too much uh, that, that maybe she can't chew yet? Or do you see her trajectory? I mean, I look at her. I can't believe how articulate she is for what she's been through. What do you see? Yeah, that's good questions. Uh, basically, she went into prison with a first grade education, came out of the GD. So certainly she has some smarts, intelligence and motivation and drive. So that's really good um, because we really never had a good set or, of knowledge as to what her IQ would be or intelligence. But uh, overall, I think that she has certainly a lot of resilience and inner fortitude. So I, I think it's a good sign, but I do think there's a lot she's taking on and probably a bit too much. It's a lot. I mean, just, you know, in this day and age, just 
being on social media is a lot, but having 17 plus million followers and growing as well as all the media attention and the premieres and the lifetime special in the book. I mean, it, it's a lot to process. I hope she's going to be okay. I am so thankful that you did this tonight. Thank you very much for, for sharing Thank this with us. And I know you've, you left out a lot that you can't talk about. Um, and that, you know, the parameters, you know, we, we stuck to the parameters that you could. So I appreciate it, Dr. Fabian. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Take care. And a reminder to the viewers as well that the Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, that's airing again this Friday, January 12th on Lifetime. Coming up next, the murder that sent Gypsy Rose to prison, specifically the man who wielded the knife. Well, we've got some news there. Um, That partner in crime, the former boyfriend, is trying a brand new tactic, hoping for a brand new trial and dreaming of being able to walk out of prison just like Gypsy Rose did. But does he have a snowball's chance? Mark Aragos weighing in on that, picking it apart next. Gypsy Rose Blanchard has her life back, though it may be more accurate to say that she is actually living her life for the very first time. But the man that she conspired with for the murder that sent her to prison, well, that guy is still locked up. And he will be for the rest of his life. Nicholas Godijan uh, was convicted of the actual hands-on stabbing of Gypsy Rose's mother, Dee Dee. That was in 2015. And since then, his attorneys have tried multiple times to get him a new trial. And their latest appeal claims that Godijan is, quote, he has a diminished capacity. And they say it's due to autism and a low IQ. In short, they say that Gypsy's boyfriend at the time who stabbed Dee Dee Blanchard 17 times was manipulated to do that by someone who was smarter, a.k.a. Gypsy Rose. That is his strategy. And I want to bring in Mark Garagos, legendary trial lawyer, co-host of the Reasonable Doubt podcast, with Adam Carolla. Um, uh, look, uh, you're the lawyer in this conversation, my friend, but I always thought the time to bring up diminished capacity is when you're at trial, not after you've been convicted and you want another bite at the apple. Well, you're, as a non-lawyer, as always, Ashley, you're very perceptive. What they're trying to say now is that his lawyer at the time didn't do enough, was ineffective in not bringing up a diminished capacity defense. Diminished capacity defense for, for people who aren't in the weeds here basically attacks what's called mens rea, the mental state of the defendant. And you're trying to say that if the mental state was diminished or impacted, that therefore you didn't have the ability to form malice, which is required for murder. If that were the case, if he was convicted of manslaughter because he didn't have malice, he wouldn't be in custody. That's the argument. So what are they going for here? They want a new trial and they want the charge not to be murder, but manslaughter, which would give him a long sentence, but he'd get out. Is that effectively the strategy? Well, it's effectively, if you get a new trial, he would have the ability to interpose, to plead a diminished responsibility, diminished capacity defense. The reason I call it either one, in California, they eliminated it. You remember, Ashley, the... um, the uh, Harvey Milk and George Moscone murder and the Dan White Twinkie defense. That was what caused the elimination of diminished responsibility in California. You had Dan White, who was accused of the murder. He claimed or he got a forensic person up 
there to claim that he had eaten too much sugar and Twinkies and that that caused the mental condition that didn't allow him to be convicted of murder and just manslaughter. Here you're saying this person was under the Svengali-like influence of the woman who you were ju- your package just mentioned, uh, Gypsy, and that is that because of that Svengali uh, like influence, he didn't have the capacity to form the malice which is necessary for murder. And if he got a new trial, he would prove that. And his lawyers were ineffective for not pursuing that the first time around. That's the argument. And I have to leave it there, but I do want to just read this really quickly, because if you're thinking about the, the Svengali-type mind, I want to read from, um, from Gypsy's book. She writes, Nick sent me a letter in 2019, about four years after he got sentenced. I had entered a relationship with a man named Ken, who'd become my fiancé for a brief time, which angered Nick. He found out about my engagement and even Ken's full name through the access he had to my depositions. I wish I had saved the letter to share, but basically Nick said I was committing adultery, that he had taken my virginity, which he didn't, and by God's law, we were married. Married. The letter was reminiscent of his dominant role that he was obsessed with playing out when we had our internet relationship. It's fascinating to hear how eloquent and smart she is and whether he's going to use that, you know, if he gets a shot to try to prove it. As always, I adore you, Mark Garagos. You're like one of the best law professors I've ever had. Just wish I got the JD. Thanks for being on. Thank you. All right. And Mark, we'll be back. You know it. Still to come, the final dump of Jeffrey Epstein documents. And if you were wondering whether it could possibly match the sleaze that you've already heard, the answer is definitively yes. It can and it does. But I also want you to hear a voice that's been silent during all of this for obvious reasons. It's Jeffrey Epstein's voice, and you're going to hear it next. Plus, I've got some exclusive information told to me personally by Jeffrey's brother, Mark, about Mark and about his brother Jeffrey, and about their mom. All of that is next. Tired of late night politics? Excuse me if I just want to laugh just a little. Stay up all evening with Antenna TV and enjoy your favorite classic sitcoms. Designing women. You're kidding! I'll be still my heart. Becker. Check out the Hippocratic Oath. It doesn't mention nice. Wings. I'm laughing already. Classic comedy all day, all night on... We got out of Washington State, and I think a week after, state went on lockdown for COVID. So then when we transitioned to Texas, it was very much so like, what are we going to do now? Operation Hellfront has allowed our family to make something of ourselves again in the world after military. It's completely changed the way our life is. It took us from a hopeless situation, and now we're homeowners. We have a savings account. I'm the first one to own a home out of my siblings. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's It's our our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Roxanne Watson is on a mission to have more people sign up as organ, eye, and tissue donors. 
What drives her? Roxanne received a heart transplant made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day to devote myself to signing up the most people in the United States. <laughs> That's my goal. Now she's a powerful force for good. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. My son, Ricky, took his life by the use of a firearm. It broke me, and I contemplated suicide. My grandson, I was going to have to be here for him. I still own my firearm. I keep it in a safe because I want to keep my grandson and myself safe. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. You're listening to Banfield on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Hey, everything okay? Yes, I'm fine. Honey. Hey, I'm here for you. Tell me about school today. When kids can't find the right words, music can help them sound it out. Talk to the kids in your life about their emotional well-being. Find tools and resources at SoundItOutTogether.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. You can always come up with an excuse for not visiting longtermcare.gov. Oh, I forgot. Game night. After all, who wants to admit that one day they will be, you know, old? Hey, do you see any crow's feet on this face? I don't. But since 70% of older Americans need some kind of long-term care, why not do some free planning now so you can stay in charge? Visit longtermcare.gov and find your own path forward. You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life, but you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Four thousand eight hundred and seventy-four pages. That is a lot of reading for anybody especially in just a matter of six days. But we did it because it was the Epstein documents, all 216 of them that dropped, nine batches released by the court. And they came to be known as Jeffrey Epstein's secret little black book, but they are not so secret anymore. And just today, we have some brand new names and claims that are sort of outed, um, though I really have to strenuously point out that being mentioned in any legal filing, uh, especially one of these, it's not confirmation of guilt and it's not confirmation of anything else. And it's not confirmation that the mentions are even truthful. It's just court documents. It's what people say in depositions. Yes, 
They're under oath. That doesn't mean there's evidence to back it up. So with that, today's dump includes depositions given back in 2016 by the Epstein victim, Virginia Jufray, and Epstein's co-conspirator and right-hand woman, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, who's in prison. So we know that she's guilty and that there was abuse. So we know that. But Virginia Jufray mentions some very, very famous names that she says she was trafficked to, sex trafficked to, by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, including politicians and foreign dignitaries and entrepreneurs and scientists and even princes, not just Prince Andrew. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is questioned about some private messages that were left for Epstein at his Florida home, including one that kind of looked like it cracked the Epstein code, showing exactly how he and some of his associates were trafficking those underage girls like in plain sight. Epstein himself was found dead in his jail cell in 2019 before he could stand trial, but he did speak and he did speak out on the record and he did so under oath multiple times. And even though his lawyer hardly ever let him answer any of the questions, his body language and his refusals and frankly, his total bravado gave plenty away. So we wanted to play that for you. Here's Jeffrey Epstein in his own words. Please state your full name. I'm Jeffrey Edward Epstein, and my residence address is 6100 Red Hook Boulevard in Virgin Islands. Do you maintain any other residences presently? I have vacation homes in New Mexico, uh, Palm Beach, New York, and Paris. Have you ever been convicted of a crime? Yes. What was the crime of which you were convicted? Two uh, counts, one soliciting prostitution and procuring a minor for prostitution. Mr. Epstein, how long have you been sexually attracted to underage minor females? Objection, harassing, argumentative. Are you kidding? I, I mean, I don't feel like I'm divulging any secrets here, right? Move to strike. Mr. Epstein, were you sexually abused as a minor? Again? Were you sexually abused as a minor? You know, I'd like to, again, I'd like to respond to all your, if any questions seem to be relevant, but I would like to respond to any relevant question at this time. However, my attorneys have counseled me that I cannot provide answers to the questions relevant to this lawsuit today. I must accept their advice or risk losing my Sixth Amendment right to effective representation. Is it true, sir, that a friend of yours sent you three 12-year-old females for you to sexually abuse on one of your birthdays? Form argumentative, harassing, and irrelevant Excuse to this me, lawsuit. But you, is, you're saying that's part of the lawsuit? Yeah, I, I'll read it directly. A friend of defendant Epstein sent him three 12-year-old girls from France who spoke no English for defendant to sexually exploit and abuse. After doing so, they were sent back to France the next day. Isn't that true? Once again, I'm going to move to strike. Irrelevant, argumentative, harassing. I would like to answer that question. I really would. However, today, my attorneys have told me I have to assert my Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment, and Fourteenth Amendment rights of the U.S. Constitution. You're invoking your Fifth Amendment rights to each of these questions because you know that your answers will incriminate you and you feel uh, that it will result in you being prosecuted for these crimes. Isn't that right? 
objection argumentative, harassing, and calls for a legal conclusion. In fact, the Supreme Court recently said that the Fifth Amendment right is there to protect the innocent. So that's the way I'd like to answer that. Do you know Virginia Roberts? So she's, again, who? Virginia Roberts. Can you spell it? Common spelling, Virginia, like the state. Can you spell it for me, please? Is it true that you forced Virginia Roberts to have sex with numerous friends of yours? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Uh, no, no one was kidding. No one. Judge wasn't kidding. Jury wasn't kidding in Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. And I don't think anybody would have been kidding in his trial either. By the way, tomorrow night on this program, you're going to hear a lot more. I mean, I literally am transfixed by these depositions, especially in retrospect. Like when, when they first came, we didn't know half the stuff we know now. Now looking at it, it's, it's just, you can just bear yourself into those eyes and um, imagine what's going on in that head. During a 2016 deposition, he was even less forthcoming than what you saw there. He took the fifth 500 different times, even refusing to answer whether he knew that lady in the pictures, Gillen Maxwell, girlfriend and then ex-girlfriend and then like right-hand man Friday and literally the joint at the hip for oh, decades. Interesting, though, he did open up to some people in his life other than Gillen Maxwell. And I'm referring to his brother, Mark Epstein. This week, I had a very long conversation with Mark Epstein, and he shared with me a detail that I'd never heard before. He told me about the exact day that he learned that his brother was in trouble for the first time. And it happened back in 2006, just before Jeffrey was arrested for child sex charges in Florida, before all the headlines blew open. Mark says that a couple days before, uh, Jeffrey called him, and said they, they needed to meet. And Mark says that um, he, Mark, went uptown in Manhattan to Jeffrey's $77 million mansion. They both lived in Manhattan at the time. And, revealed, uh, and, and, and said that Jeff revealed to him that he was about to get into some big trouble because of all of his activities with underage girls. Mark says that Jeffrey didn't tell him all the details, but... He said that he told his brother, Jeffrey Epstein, and I'm going to quote him on this because it's important. He said, it's a good thing mom is dead because I'd have killed her before letting her hear any of what you just told me. And when I asked Mark if he had asked me to keep that off the record, and when I asked him if I could um, broadcast it and he said no, I said, you know, I think it tells people that you were so shocked that that would be your response. And he still said no. <laughs> and then I, I, I went back to him today and I said, I really do want to broadcast that detail. And he, he agreed. He said it was okay. So I don't want to let you think I was betraying any of his confidence. But uh, Mark and Jeffrey's mother had died just two years prior to that conversation that they had two years prior to the arrest of, of Jeffrey. And as for Jeffrey's own death, Mark is adamant. He's got really big questions. He does not believe that Jeffrey killed himself in jail. He wants to know who were all the other prisoners on Epstein's tier that night, and where are they all now? They should be tracked. Do they still exist? Were they planted? Maybe somebody, one of them? 
Why did the investigators never question the medical personnel who tried to resuscitate Epstein, including the EMTs and the hospital staff? They just said suicide, no investigation. Uh, the hashtag Epstein didn't kill himself continues to trend even now, mostly because of the things that he did and the things that he may have known about some really powerful people. And we've seen plenty of VIPs in that mountain of fresh court documents, by the way. In one filing, an Epstein victim named Sarah Ransom claims to a journalist that Epstein had video recordings of Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, and Richard Branson in sexual encounters. But then Sarah Ransom took it all back, saying her family would be at risk if she went forward, so she recanted. And then she also told New York Magazine that the existence of the tapes was a lie, all fabricated to scare Epstein. But now, today, another U-turn. Ransom went on a British TV show this morning, said that the initial claims were true, and that she recanted out of fear. All three of those men have denied it, and no one knows about any tapes. Prince Andrew was stripped of all of his royal responsibilities when his ties to Epstein came to light, and he's remained largely out of the public eye. Former President Clinton hasn't been seen much recently either, but he was spotted recently in Mexico with California Governor Gavin Newsom. Um, you can see him in this photo first published by the New York Post. So is this the end of the Epstein saga, or is there more to come? Now that we have all the names, what's the next step? And who else may be in big trouble? And what about that suicide or murder? Which is it? Watch this space. Still to come tonight, an astounding new UFO sighting. Or is it? It has been dubbed the jellyfish, and its odd shape is only the half of it. Wait until you hear where it was spotted and what the cameras were able to and were not able to see. Uh, are we headed for a big debunking or... A congressional hearing. And what the heck happened when that thing went underwater? I'm going to run all of this past a top expert next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It can do more than identify your company. It can connect in meaningful ways, energize your team, and inspire your customers. We're for Imprint, and we know your logo on the right product can create moments that matter. With 30 years of experience and thousands of products to choose from, we guarantee your order will be right the first time, on time, and for a great price. Be certain that the right moments will matter. Explore thousands of promotional products at 4imprint.com. 4imprint, for certain. Okay, I know, I know, I know, this is a show about true crime and mystery, but tonight I've got a story that's not so much true crime, but it blows the lid off mystery. Um, a video allegedly taken at a U.S. military base in Iraq in 2018, just released by a journalist named Jeremy Corbell, who claims that it was buried by the intelligence community. Look at this. He calls this thing, uh, whatever craft it is, a jellyfish. You can see why, because it floats with like dangling appendages. Um, the footage was shot at night, and I'm quoting that they used thermographic forward-looking infrared imagery. But interestingly, the object could not be seen with regular night vision gear. And some of the troops who were at the base weren't even aware it was up there. Um, others were told to hunt it down. And the coolest part of it all is that it switches colors. It goes from this dark to like almost invisible 
and see-through and white um, as it glides, indicating that that should be a temperature change more than likely from hot to cold to hot to cold. And then it just disappears into a body of water for 17 straight minutes until it reemerges and shoots off into the sky at a rate of speed that was so high it couldn't be documented with the technology we actually have here on Earth. What? So Corbell claims that the, uh, the, the jellyfish, a similar kind of thing just like this, was seen at a nuclear facility too, moving between silos and shooting off at a 45-degree angle. And he shared this footage on social media. You should know that News Nation has not independently verified the authenticity of either of these videos, and the Pentagon has not confirmed or even commented on them. So that's why I called Nick Pope, spent his career investigating UFOs for the UK Ministry of Defense, and he's just great at this stuff. So first of all, Nick, what do you make of this whole temperature, color change, and then also this transmedium capabilities of going in and out of the water and the air? Well, the change in color, which normally could represent temperature change, may be an artifact of the, the camera and the system. We don't know uh, yet what this is. We, we just it, There are so many pieces of the puzzle that have yet to be confirmed. This is very early days. So I don't want to say about the temperature change. Um, and, and again, with the transmedium travel so far, the only bit of this video that I've seen is, is the bit that you're showing now. I have yet to see the, the part where it apparently goes into the water and comes out. But if, if that is what people are saying it is, that is, is certainly something to watch. And it's one of these so-called uh, five observables, this apparent ability to move seamlessly between water and air that we hear about. And, and that is noteworthy for sure, if it's verified. Right, okay. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, and first of all, we don't have the video yet of the water dive. But the part about being verified, how do you vet this stuff? How does one go about vetting this kind of video? Well, I think the first thing is obviously to ask the uh, Department of Defense. And, and I think News Nation have an inquiry in. I actually uh, reached out to public affairs myself earlier, and they said they would get back to me on that. So I think, I think they're burning the midnight oil at the Pentagon tonight. Look, Jeremy Corbell does have a proven track record of um, bringing forward uh, footage and still photographs that do turn out to be genuine. So, so I'm, I'm betting that this is going to be the real deal. But as I say, there are still pieces of the puzzle we don't have. And, and I think this is going to be a test. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who, who was the director of the Pentagon's Arrow Unit, stepped down at the end of last year. His uh, deputy, Timothy Phillips, is in place. This is a big test for him. How's he going to respond to this? Uh, I, I think we want this. Uh, Congress wants information about this sort of thing, not from independent filmmakers, but from the Pentagon. Yeah, I agree. And I can't wait to have you back when you get the answers that you're getting, because I think we're all racing to get the same answers. So, Nick, I'm, keep your phone handy. I'm going to call you back. Thanks for this tonight. Thank you. Always good to have Nick Pope, and I think he's going to get the answers for us. Uh, still to come, say it ain't so, Mickey Mouse, the Magic Kingdom's most beloved character, is about to go on a killing spree. And there is nothing that any of us can do about it. Copyright restrictions on the mouse are now a thing of the past, and any non-Disney situation is now fair game, even the not-so-family-friendly stuff. Goodbye, innocence. Hello, slasher Mickey. No joke. Details next.
I never thought I'd say the words get ready for the Mickey Mouse horror teen slasher flick, but that is the world we live in as of January 1st. Uh, if this looks familiar, this is from 1928, the Mickey Mouse precursor. It's one of the very first versions of Walt Disney's most famous creation. And this guy was known as Steamboat Willie. After all these years, though, Willie's copyright protection has expired. And he is now in the public domain, which means that anybody can use his likeness for anything they want, including a cheesy horror flick. Take a look. Totally disgusting. Put the phone down! Put the phone down, please! I was like, dude, I've already stopped. No, Gina, turn around, please! Several indie filmmakers are ahead of the game now. They're putting out trailers for low-budget Mickey-themed movies, and they can do it, legally. There's more modern versions of Mickey, though. You know them, the white-gloved tuxedo and tails guy at Disney. Well, that one is still copyrighted. So you can't take that guy. But I can't imagine what AI has in store for him, so just wait for it. Speaking of waiting for it, tomorrow night on this program, more of the Jeffrey Epstein tapes. And when I say that, the tapes of him. Because now with all the documents, we're going back to his depositions and we are showing you the questions and answers and the stuff he won't answer, including the question about the shape of his penis. Wait till you see his reaction. You're gonna see it here tomorrow night. In the meantime, stay tuned. Cuomo is coming up next. They talk about uh, threat to democracy. That's your real threat to democracy. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. All right, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Tuesday. We're live, so let's get after it. That's former President Donald Trump, of course, showed up voluntarily today, but he had to. This case will likely determine if he can be prosecuted by the special prosecutor. So the question is, was Trump right? Could he shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not only not lose political support, 